This meeting will come to order. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Monday, October, 19, uh, October 16th, 2023, meeting of the Rules Committee of the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. I'm Supervisor Matt Dorsey, chair of this committee, and I'm joined today by my vice chair, Shimon Walton. Uh, committee member Asha Safai is going to be running a few minutes late, but will be with us shortly. Um, together, we'd like to express our gratitude to our clerk today, Mr. Victor Young. Thanks also to the team at SFGovTV for facilitating and broadcasting today's meeting, in, in particular, our producer today, James Kawana. Mr. Clerk, do you have any announcements? Yes, the Board of Supervisors and its committee are now convening hybrid meetings that allow in-person attendance and public comment while still providing remote access and public comment via telephone. Public comment will be taken on each item on this agenda. Those attending in person will be allowed to speak first, and then we will take those who are waiting on the telephone line. The public comment call-in number is streaming across the screen. When connected, you will hear the meeting discussion, but you will be muted and in listening mode only. When your item of interest comes up and public comment is called, those joining us in person should line up to speak, and those on the telephone should dial star three to be added to the speaker line. If you are on the telephone, please remember to turn down your television and all other listening devices you may be using. Alternatively, you may submit public comment in writing in either of the following ways. Email them to myself, the Rules Committee Clerk, at victor.young at sfgov.org. You may also send your written comments via U.S. mail to our office at one uh, in, excuse me, our office in City Hall at one Dr. Carlton B. Goodlit Place, Room 244, San Francisco, California 94102. Finally, items acted upon today are expected to appear on the Board of Supervisors' agenda on October 23rd, unless otherwise stated. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Would you please call item number one? Yes, item number one is the motion approving rejecting the mayor's nomination of Amy Campbell for appointment to the Historic Preservation Commission, term ending December 31st, 2026. Thank you, Mr. Young. Uh, the mayor has nominated Amy Campbell to seat six on the Historic Preservation Committee. Ms. Campbell is joining us in person this morning. Uh, we have a fairly uh, packed agenda today, so I will, as always, ask applicants and nominees to limit their remarks to no more than um, a couple of minutes and then be available for questions and answers. Ms. Campbell, welcome to the Rules Committee. The floor is yours. Thank you, and good morning, Supervisor Dorsey and Supervisor Walton. Um, it's really such an honor to be standing here today um, with this nomination, and I will keep this brief, but would love to just take a quick opportunity to just say a few things and then take any questions you might have. Uh, for the record, my name is Amy Campbell. I'm a licensed architect in the state of California, and I've been practicing for 16 years. Almost my entire career has been committed to working on the built environment, um, unlike other architects who do ground-up construction. Um, that comes in the form of adaptive reuse projects, rehabilitation of primarily existing commercial buildings. Um, fortunately, I work for a global firm, but fortunately most of my work um, is here in the Bay Area and right here in San Francisco, so I feel quite lucky to live and practice in the same place. Um, some, I've got, I had the chance to work on some jewels of San Francisco, including the Bank of California at 400 California Street, right across the street, Merchants Exchange, um, and most recently, 170 Valencia Street, which is the home of the Gay Men's Chorus, where we are reimagining the home of, um, for the LGBTQ um, Center of the Arts. It's been a real personal pleasure of mine collaborating with them. Buildings like this are what I call the bells of the ball. Um, they're really what makes San Francisco so special and so different than other cities. Um, they tell the story of people and neighborhoods um, of our past, and it's really something we want to try to carry forward. 
I also want to recognize this is a transformational time for cities, especially cities like San Francisco, and that usually translates to transformational change. These are two facts that I think make the work that the HBC does extra important. I think it, we, we must ensure that we can adapt and progress during times of change, but still preserve that special patina, culture, and stories of our city. It's such an honor and privilege to be considered for this role, and I would look forward to hopefully being part of that dialogue and to serve my community as best I can. Thank you, and I'll take any questions. Um, thank you so much. I, did, I was uh, very appreciative uh, with some of, of your calibers willing to serve our city. So I want to say, express my gratitude to you for that. I was also um, interested because I know there was a um, story about some downtown office buildings and the possibility that some of them could be uh, made into housing, you know, given some of the challenges. And I appreciated some of the um, expertise you brought to that. And I'd invite you to, to talk a little bit about it. I really appreciate what you just mentioned about we are in a time of transformational change. And in given, you know, I, I realize there's a lot of challenges that we are facing as policymakers, but the silver lining to that is that we also get to shape the San Francisco of the future in ways that are gonna preserve our heritage um, and, and solve problems creatively. So I, and I thought you touched on one when you were quoted in that, and I'd invite you to ex uh, elaborate on it a little bit about how historic preservation and housing can be, um, can work together. I think, um Good urbanism and preservation are not mutually exclusive things. I think we can we can progress our city um, and still carry parts of the past forward. I do think when it comes to um, our empty office space, which I think is maybe what you're alluding to downtown, is quite extraordinary. It's it's remarkable when we think about how far the pendulum has swung in terms of office demands um, pre-pandemic to where we are today. And I do think a lot of those buildings can move forward in new ways. Um, I think we have to be careful about which ones we select for that. And I do know that there's a lot of restrictions in terms of um, our abilities to do that and also financial restrictions um, that are not allowing for it to happen at the moment given the cost of construction. I, I do believe that downtown San Francisco could be our next flourishing neighborhood. I don't think it has to be exclusive office use. Um, our neighborhoods did quite well during the pandemic and San Francisco is a city of neighborhoods. Um, I think it's well teed up for being that next vibrant, sustainable neighborhood. It's got all of the transit there. It's got the waterfront. Um, I think if we're smart and selective um, and do some conversion and bring residential downtown, um, it could be the beginning of a new downtown. Great. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, seeing no one on the roster right now, Mr. Clerk, can we open this up to public comment? And thanks so much for your uh, time. Yes, members of the public who wish to speak on this item and joining us in person should line up to speak at this time. For those listening remotely on the public call-in line, please press star three to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue the way until the system indicates you have been unmuted, and that'll be your cue to begin your comment. Can we have our first in-person commenter? Thank you, and good morning, supervisors. My name is Woody Labounty. I'm the president and CEO of San Francisco Heritage. Since 1971, San Francisco Heritage has advocated for the preservation and enhancement of San Francisco's unique architectural and cultural identity. As part of that mission, San Francisco Heritage has frequently and actually has frequent and significant engagement with the Historic Preservation Commission. I'm there almost every two weeks. 
and its important role protecting the city's heritage while ensuring preservation contributes to the growth, revitalization, and appreciation of San Francisco. Members of our board and I had the pleasure of meeting with Ms. Campbell to discuss her experience, her skills, and her interest in serving on seat six of the Pres Historic Preservation Commission. San Francisco Heritage finds that she meets the requirements of seat six, including meeting the Secretary of Interior professional qualifications in historic architecture, and she possesses extensive experience with preservation and adaptive reuse of historic structures. Uh, we were impressed by her preparation for the nomination and our meeting, her enthusiasm to serve the city, and her interest and perspectives on intangible preservation, as exemplified by the city's legacy business and cultural district programs. So San Francisco Heritage supports Amy Campbell's nomination for seat six of the Historic Preservation Commission, and uh, we ask for your approval of her nomination to the full board. Thank you. Uh, thank you. There being no other in-person speakers, we will move on to our telephone call in line. And uh, please note that this is public comment for item number one. Can we have our first caller? Caller has been unmuted if you'd like to make your public comment. Okay, we're not getting a response. Can we go ahead and move on to our next commenter? Um, that line was unattended. We have no additional public callers on the telephone line. Great, thank you, Mr. Clerk. Public comment on this item is now closed. And I would like to make a motion to strike the words reject wherever they appear in the motion and send our recommendation for approval of this appointment to the full board of supervisors. Mr. Clerk, we uh, have Yes, on the motion to delete reject from the motion and recommend as amended. Vice Chair Walton. Walton, aye. Uh, Super Supervisor Safai, absent. Chair Dorsey. Dorsey, aye. The motion passes with no objection with Supervisor Safai being absent. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Without objection then, uh, item number one, mayoral appointment, Historic Preservation Commission, Amy Campbell goes to the full board as amended. Mr. Clerk, can we please call item number two? Yes, item number two is a hearing to consider appointing one member term ending March 1st, 2024, two members terms ending March 1st, 2025, and four members terms ending March 1st, 2026 to the in-home supportive services public authority. We have seven seats with four applicants. However, we are I'd like to note that the administrator has informed me that Shannon Stenek has, um, is no longer able to serve on this body. Great. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Uh, the In-Home Supportive Services Public Authority is a body required by state law and is responsible for providing assistance in finding personnel for the IHSS programs through the establishment of a central registry and related functions and to perform any other functions as may be necessary for the operation of the authority or related to the de delivery of in-home supportive services in San Francisco. Um, there are several vacant seats on the public authority and today we will be hearing from three applicants to three seats. Um, I would note as the clerk just mentioned that one application for seat one was withdrawn. I will call the applicants up one at a time and I'd like to once again remind everybody that given our uh, agenda today, we'll politely ask applicants to keep their remarks to no more than two minutes. 
So first, let's hear from Etta Mae Johnson, who is currently serving and has reapplied for seat number one, uh, for which the qualifications are a consumer over the age of 55 years, authorized to represent organizations that advocate for aging people with disabilities. Ms. Johnson, welcome to the Rules Committee. The floor is yours. Okay. So I understand that uh, they are uh, in the building and on their way here. Um, is it okay to take? When, would you like to call them out of order? Or would you yeah, like to why call don't we do, show, given that uh, Supervisor Chan is here, why don't we go talk about the, uh, can we take item number three? And we'll come back uh, to item number two. Item three? Yeah. Call yeah. item three. Can we call item number three? Yes, item okay. number three is an ordinance amending the administrative code to establish the graffiti advisory board to advise the board of supervisors and the mayor on issues related to the graffiti prevention and abatement and setting forth the membership and duties of the advisory board. Great, thank you, Mr. Clerk. Um, Supervisor Connie Chan is the sponsor of this item and she is joining us today, thank you. Uh, Supervisor Chan, welcome to the Rules Committee this morning. The floor is yours. Thank you, Chair um, Dorsey, and uh, thank you, committee members, uh, for uh, uh, scheduling this item for um, hearing. It is, um, and, and also that I just want to thank Board President Peskin for waiving the 30-day rules for this. We understand that you may have some charter and uh, ballot measures coming up in this hearing, so I'd like to get this out of the way, so to speak. Um, uh, as you know, that uh, this is a graffiti advisory board establishing the body uh, to really look at um, the graffiti around town, but mainly the focus is though uh, we have really switched the body from originally 25 uh, individuals to shrinking it down to 15 uh, to allow the each member of the board um, of supervisors to appoint their appointee for their district and then um, allowing the mayor to also appoint the appointee and then to work with specifically three appointees from Department of Public Works, Arts Commission, and the police departments. This is in the goal where we can identify uh, structures and buildings that actually uh, suffer graffiti, but not really having, uh, be able to have any vendors uh, in custody, so to speak. Instead, to understand that this problem still exists, and so what can we do to find alternatives um, to clear up graffiti, beautifying our neighborhood. So that is what this advisory board is gonna be about, uh, providing us the recommendation. I do understand that there is sanitation commission that will be doing similar work, uh, but we understand that they definitely have, this, will, this body will specifically focus on just graffiti alone, and uh, hopefully to be able to su su support us uh, with some recommendation. And uh, with that, I colleagues, I also want to point to you that we do have um, some amendments today that really is the uh, on page three lines one through four uh, refers to back to the board rules. We understand we want to make sure that this advisory body is productive and so we want to describe the process with the clerk to confirm the body has met at least once every four months and to ask the city attorney to prepare legislation repealing the ordinance that create the body if the body has not been meeting. So again, we also want to make sure that while we establish um, or renew this body, we still want them to be uh, productive. And if they're not, uh, they will not be uh, meeting and functioning. So with that, 
Uh, colleagues, I hope that you will support and um, move forward with the motion to amend and, uh, and to approve and to full board with recommendation. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Supervisor Chan. Um, I really do appreciate the, um, and, and thought this was a good idea, actually. This is something that might be a good model, um, this amendment, that if an if a advisory board or task force hasn't met within four months, um, that the city attorney would be directed to prepare legislation to terminate it. I think that is something that um, we should always value participatory um, democracy, but we also, as you said, um, want it to be productive. So I think this does a great job of threading that needle and um, seeing no questions or comments from my colleagues. Um, Mr. Clerk, can we open this up to public comment? Yes, member of the public who wish to speak on this item and joining us in person should line up to speak at this time. For those listening remotely on the public call-in line, please press star 3 to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue the way until the system indicates you have been unmuted, and that will be your cue to begin your comment. I do not see any public commenters for item number 3 in the room at this time, and we have two callers on the line for public comment. Can we have our first caller? Hi, my name is Amy Cleary, and I'm calling on behalf of the Golden Gate Restaurant Association in support of the reestablishment of the Graffiti Advisory Board. As I think all of you know, graffiti has been a huge issue in our restaurant community and other businesses across the city. We believe that the reestablishment of the advisory board would be a step in the right direction to address the overwhelming number of complaints and concerns. We also appreciate that the committee will include a broad cross-section of the community and look forward to having restaurants and small businesses represented. Thank you very much for your consideration. Thank you. Can we have our next caller, please? Uh, good morning, David Pilpel. Um, so I have some thoughts here um, specifically to possible amendments on page two uh, of the version that's available to the public, lines six and seven. Uh, must be an officer or employee of an organization, et cetera, et cetera. I would suggest um, have that read be an officer, employee, or member of an organization, et cetera, in both cases. Um, you might add two more seats to expand it from 15 to 17 members to provide for the district attorney and the municipal transportation agency um, to uh, have a seat on this uh, body that may be particularly relevant for uh, both uh, abatement and prevention um, and consequences. Anyway, I, I, I acknowledge that you don't want to make it too big, but I would consider um, those two possible expansions on page three, line 18. I would only require the body to have regular meetings at least quarterly. They might uh, meet more frequently, like six or nine uh, times a year, um, but I think rather than requiring regular monthly meetings, I think at least quarterly or four times a year um, seems um, sufficient to me. Um, and finally, on page three, line 20, it says may establish bylaws and rules for its organization and procedures. I would substitute shall for may and require the body to establish bylaws and rules for its organization and procedures. Um, those are my hopefully thoughtful uh, comments. You might consider them uh, today or if this advances to the full board to make those amendments at the full board to the extent that you see fit. Thanks for listening. 
Thank you. That completes our list of uh, telephone callers. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Public comment on item number three is now closed. And I would like to make a motion to um, accept the amendments. Supervisor Chan read into the record and send this item to the full board with a positive recommendation as amended. Mr. Clerk, we have a roll call on that motion. Yes, on the motion to accept the recommended, uh, excuse me, uh, on the motion to accept the amendments proposed by, uh, the, <laughs> excuse me, to accept the proposed amendments and to recommend it as amended. On that motion, Vice Chair Walton. Walton, aye. Supervisor Safai. Safai, aye. Chair Dorsey. Aye. Dorsey, aye. The motion passes without objection. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Uh, on a unanimous vote, then, item number three, administrative code establishing the graffiti advisory board moves to the full board as amended with a positive recommendation. Thank you, Supervisor Chan. Uh, Mr. Clerk, could you please call item number two again? Yes. Item number two is... Uh, Hearing and center appointments to the in-home supportive services public authority. Okay, great. Um, so we already, I already sort of introduced uh, what this uh, body does, and I, I mentioned that there are two vacant seats. Um, we are going to be hearing first from Edda Mae Johnson, who is currently serving and has reapplied for seat number one, for which the qualifications are a consumer over the age of 55 years, authorized to represent organizations that advocate for aging people with disabilities. Ms. Johnson. Welcome to the Rules Committee. Um, the floor is yours. And as I, I had mentioned too, just because we have a, a fairly, either either microphone is fine. Um, okay, well, thank you very thank much. You. Thank you for an introduction because that does help me um, in explaining why I'm here. So I am here for the reappointment for seat one. My basic resume and qualifications were submitted um, last year at this time, so I won't go extensively into those. I have a extensive and strong background in early childhood and child development and teaching in public schools for special ed severe through resource room. I have used those skills to apply an apparent IEP rep, and those skills have been extremely beneficial in working um, as an advocate for seniors or kind of getting through red tape, um, appealing, that's all very similar to basic California IEP um, rights and responsibilities. But beyond that, as far as serving, I have been active participant for one year. I have um, enjoyed 100% attendance in all the meetings. I have participated in three governing board public authority training sessions for the board that were presented as part of our meetings. I have also, in support of the public authority, IHSS, we had many opening seats, and I was able to actively recruit successfully from the paratransit board and a few others by um, visiting, attending meetings, and bringing flyers. And it worked. We, we got a response. Um, an important responsibility for this position is it's a learning curve. So as now I better understand after a full year what's required. All materials sent in PDF need to be extensively reviewed 
past meeting notes need to be reviewed and upcoming agenda is important that the seat you know the seat on the public authority take that time because it's a lot of oversight a lot of fiscal graphs that need to be followed and someone in my position may not clearly understand everything so a, a great deal of review is required um, the other qualification is in the in the community I'm actively um, try my best to do as much advocacy and support of disabled and seniors. I believe I meet those qualifications through both volunteer and my paid employment. I participate for the past five years with the SF 250% Disabled Worker Program. I have been a long-term employee for St. Mark's Lutheran, prior to that, the Lutheran Schools. I'm also on the board for Martin Luther Towers, our senior, and also St. Mark's Square, which is kind of a triad of groups. I was very happy, and you've all read, that the, um, oh, I wrote it down, SB4, Yes in God's Backyard, has passed, just passed. You have a re recent update from the governor and Scott Weiner, and that would be our Ella Roth Senior Disabled Building will be breaking ground very soon. So that took a lot of work, a lot of forums, a lot of support to get that off the ground, but it's, it's going. Um, in that capacity, by living now in Martin Luther Towers, I'm able, and working, I'm able to attend a variety of volunteer opportunities for the community. We have Homeless Connect, where we work and we have specifically workshops weekly. This week we'll have Medicaid eyeglass, free eyeglass, we'll have. So I'm able to even just host those, which is event hosts. At St. Mark's, I'm the nursery coordinator. So, um, so I believe I meet in that respect. As far as my goals, Victor Young had asked, I would just like to continue to participate and support votes with public authority that increase provider benefits, increase provider participation and training. This has been something that is just not being utilized, so we need to explore incentives. And to increase consumer access to providers with more reasonable share of costs. Okay, thank you Great. so much. Thank you so much, and seeing no questions from colleagues. Um, next up, I wanna bring up uh, Ms. Mav. No and I, just as a reminder, because we have a really crowded to day today, um, I'm asking folks to hold their, to limit, limit this to um, two minutes, and then just be available for questions if we have any. Good morning, I'm Mara Math. I've lived in San Francisco for 32 years and been a community activist for that entire time. Uh, I'm a journalist as well as a former union organizer. Uh, I was a member of the, I was a counselor at the Tenants Union for 17 years and a member of the steering committee for that time. More recently, I've been a member of the Paratransit Coordinating Council and its executive committee for the last five years. I'm currently chair of the group van subcommittee and also chair of the recruitment committee with Jane um, and 
We recently made our first concerted effort as a committee, and with the help of staff, we drew 41 new attendees at our last meeting. Um, I've been an IHS client for, I think, about the last 14 years. Uh, I've hired independent care providers through public authority, and for the last 12 years or so, I've received services through uh, the subcontractor Homebridge. Um, and these services have been crucial to me as a disabled person, allowing me to live independently and with dignity. Um, I'd like to contribute to maintaining and improving the services of public authority and IHSS, and that's why I'm here, and I was nominated by, uh, I believe, Eileen Norman of public authority. Thank you, Ms. Math, and now let's hear from Jane, Jane Redmond, who has applied for seat 10, and the qualifications for that are uh, consumer over the age of 55, authorized to represent organizations that advocate for aging people with disabilities. Um, Ms. Redmond, welcome to the Rules Committee. The floor is yours. Speak just into the microphone. Thank you for having me here. Um, I have been on the paratransit board for 20 years um, in several leadership positions. Uh, I'm really nervous, I'm sorry. Um, I've also take your time. You're good. You're doing great. Okay. I've Urban also <laughs> um, volunteered at San Francisco General, and um, as a mother of multi-ethnic, multiracial children, I know people's biases, and um, I really tune in on that. And I think there's a lot of improvements that need to be made and I'm here for the long haul. Thank you so much. I really appreciate uh, your remarks and your willingness to serve too. To, especially to um, you know, folks who are coming in to serve our government in voluntary capacities. You know, to know that when you come to the Rules Committee you're among friends. Uh, when you are leading a department then you should be nervous. <laughs> Um, so, let's see, I don't see any uh, questions for, uh, or f among my colleagues, so Mr. Clerk, can we uh, open this up to public comment? Uh, yes, members of the public who wish to speak on this item and are joining us in person should line up to speak at this time. For those listening remotely on the public call-in line, please press star 3 to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue to wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted, and that will be your queue to begin your comment. Uh, seeing no persons in the room for public comment, double-checking our call-in line. There are no callers for public comment on this matter. Great. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Public comment on item number two is now closed. And I will make a motion to recommend Edda Mae Johnson. Oh, my apologies. Supervisor Safai. I just want to say, just really quickly, um, really appreciate all the folks that came out today. This is such an important body for our city. Um, we have one of the most well-developed and competent staff that are dealing with aging in place and providing such an important um, service to our seniors and disabled. And so just want to say thank you for everyone that came out here today and, and thank uh, the public authority for the tremendous work that they do. And I know that in San Francisco, we set the trend in many ways for the rest of the state in terms of how we provide benefits to staff, how we uh, treat the in-home care providers themselves and how we 
make seniors and those with disabilities a priority in our city. So just wanted to say that, and thank you for everyone that came out today. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Great. Thank you, Supervisor <coughs> Safai. This was very well stated, and um, I associate myself with those remarks. So I would like to make a motion to recommend Etta Mae Johnson to seat number one, Mara Math to seat three, and Jane Redmond to seat 10 on the in-home supportive services public authority and to send those appointments to the full board. Mr. Clerk, we have a roll call on that motion. Those, that motion. Yes, on that motion, Vice Chair Walton. Aye. Walton, aye. Supervisor Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Chair Dorsey. Dorsey, aye. The motion passes without objection. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. On a unanimous vote, then, three individuals are recommended to the in-home supportive services public authority and their appointments moved to the full board with a positive recommendation. Congratulations. Mr. Clerk, can we call item number four? Yes, item number four is a motion amending the Board of Supervisors Rules of Order by revising Rule 1.3.3, in, in person remote public comment, to discontinue remote public comment by members of the public at meetings of the board and its committees, except as legally required to enable people with disabilities to participate in such meetings. I would like to. Um, Note that we have made arrangements for interpretation at today's meeting, and I'd like to defer announcements uh, regarding this to our interpreters today, uh, Arturo Conceza for Spanish, Vivian Liu for Chinese, and Raymond Boris for Filipino. Great. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Uh, this uh, I, I'd like to let them make their announcements in their language, if oh, it's sure. possible. Thank you very much. Mr. Arturo, uh, Mr. Conceza, would you like to make your announcement? Sure. Um, asunto número cuatro, buenos días, me llamo Arturo Cosenza, soy un empleado de la Oficina de Participación Cívica y Asuntos de Inmigrantes y estaré prestando servicios de interpretación al español hoy para esta audiencia relativa a la enmienda del Código de Reglas del Orden para poner un límite al acceso a públicos para los miembros del público, salvo aquellas personas con discapacidades porque tienen el derecho a participar de esta manera. Para ingresar a la reunión y dar su comentario público, marque 415-655-0001, seguido por el código de la reunión 266-2003-5006, más la tecla de numeral dos veces. Marca asterisco 3 para dar su comentario y el cuando es número 4, el asunto número 4, Y cuando el sistema le diga que su línea ha sido activada o you have been unmuted en inglés, ese es el momento en que puede dar su comentario, eh, para el cual solo tiene dos. Gracias. Thank you. Um, Ms. Liu, would you like to make uh, your announcements also? Yes. Thank you. Mo Kyo Lau Gu Lau, hai man zing kap yi man si mo ban gong sat ke zik yuan. 今日為你提供口譯服務直至下午兩點。如果你要為議程中的第四項發表公眾評論,請致電1415-6550。會議ID是2661006。再按兩個井字。多謝,thank Good 
kapag nais magsalita sa ikaapat na paksa ang remote public polling, pinitin po ang star 3 at hintayin po ang lamang hudyat na maaaring magsalita o madinig ang you have been unmuted. Maaaring po magpahayag sa lumdalawang minuto. Maraming salamat po. Thank you. Thank you very much. Great. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Uh, this item is sponsored by Board President Aaron Peskin, who was joining us this morning. President Peskin, uh, I appreciate your leadership on this. Welcome to the Rules Committee. The floor is yours. Thank you, Chair Dorsey, members of the Rules Committee. Uh, let me start by just setting forth what this change to the rules of order of the Board of Supervisors uh, states and what it would do. Uh, it would be an amendment to uh, rules of order provision 1.3.3, uh, wherein uh, that first paragraph would uh, remove the two words or remotely uh, and would read where opportunity for public comment is required under rules 3.8, 4.19, and 4.22, members of the public shall be given the option to comment in person at a meeting of the board or a committee. The clerk of the Board of Supervisors shall offer opportunities to provide remote public comment to members of the public as necessary to enable the particip participation of people with disabilities to the extent required by law. That is uh, what the language that I have proposed before you states uh, and would uh, sadly terminate the use of remote public comment uh, and colleagues, you will recall that uh, at the start of the COVID-19 pandemic in March of 2020, uh, the clerk of the board seamlessly uh, moved our meetings online to remote meetings, seamlessly was able to accommodate remote public comment, uh, which was an extraordinary effort on the clerk's part and allowed the smooth functioning of government with public participation, uh, for which I am deeply grateful. Uh, you will recall that when the governor terminated the state of emergency, this Board of Supervisors had to take an action uh, as to what we wanted to do with public comment, and there was a diversity of opinion on this Board of Supervisors, ranging from members who wanted to uh, terminate and eliminate remote public comment to members that wanted unlimited remote public comment to members who uh, had ideas about a hybrid in-between version. Um, ultimately, uh, in my role as president of the board, I landed on the side of unlimited remote public comment. Uh, participation uh, in the decisions that we make is, uh, I think, very important to the functioning of a democratic government. Um, having said that, we noted uh, in this time of extremism and hate uh, in other cities and counties, not only in Northern California, but around the country, uh, the participation remotely of people who hide in anonymity and use this public forum as a forum for uh, the most horrible types of hate speech. And thankfully, San Francisco uh, did not experience that to any uh, extent or any great extent as counties like Sonoma and Napa 
uh, were already terminating remote public comment because of being bombarded by anti-Semitic, racist, misogynistic uh, hate speech. And recently, colleagues, as you know and members of the public know, uh, San Francisco uh, was not immune from that kind of just horrible behavior, uh, which required the clerk to repeatedly terminate uh, anti-Semitic and racist hate speech. Uh, and I, for one, uh, came to the conclusion reluctantly um, that it is time for us to join those other public bodies that have found it necessary uh, to terminate remote public comment. And I, I say, I speak to my reluctance because a handful of hateful, horrible people are ruining public participation for others. Having said that, I also know that as somebody who was first elected uh, to these chambers in the year 2020, that there's been no shortage of public participation in our committee meetings, in our full board of supervisors meetings uh, in person. Yes, it is uh, difficult uh, for people to do. It is less inclusive, um, but I profoundly feel that we cannot use uh, this um, forum for uh, hate speech, and it is intolerable, and for the time being, I think it needs to be ended. Let me also say that, um, as with the original uh, efforts, this is also an experiment. This time may pass, and uh, we are free to uh, reinstate remote public comment. I think that we also uh, have a responsibility to lobby the state of California uh, and see if we can get changes in law that would allow municipalities like San Francisco uh, to block anonymous callers, to block callers from lines that we know have been the source of this kind of behavior. Uh, right now, we cannot do that, but I think with some sensible amendments to the Brown Act and other laws that govern uh, remote participation, this could be done. Uh, I have recently spoken to the clerk of the Board of Supervisors about other possibilities, and I just want to uh, elucidate those, including having remote delays, uh, which may, which whose time may come but is not here yet, both as a function of cost, uh, because right now in this uh, atmosphere or this fiscal climate, uh, money is hard to come by. Some seven years ago, actually, the clerk of the board queried our Department of Technology as to whether or not we could do delayed public comment where we could actually vet that public comment before um, it went live, and the cost of that uh, was a shocking $10 million. Um, so we are not in a position to do that today. There are also practical concerns relative to the time that that would take uh, and how we would deal with that. So I think for the time being, um, we need to continue to monitor that, uh, but it is a time that is not yet come. Uh, and with that, colleagues, I would recommend that uh, you forward this to the full board, of course, subject to the public comment that we are about to hear uh, for, as a committee report. Great. Thank you, uh, President Peskin, and I really appreciate your leadership on this. Um, I will say that I landed in the same place uh, you did. 
um, when it came to public participation, uh, and I'm saddened that, saddened that our Better Angels created an unintended platform for anonymous hatred and toxicity. I think we have no higher obligation than affirming the legitimacy of our democratic institutions. Um, and I'm saddened that this step has been made necessary, but I'm going to be um, very much supportive, and I also support um, changes in state law to remove the cloak of uh, anonymity, which I think will go a long way toward improving the tenor of our public debates. Uh, I appreciate, too, the statement you made about the work that the clerk's office did stepping up at a time um, when we really didn't know what we were dealing with with COVID-19 to keep our, our local democracy functioning and participatory and one other unsung hero, and that was uh, the folks at SFGovTV who really stepped up. Um, so I want to give them a shout out as well. Um, colleagues, I don't know if there's any questions or comments. Okay, seeing none, Mr. Clerk, can we open this item up to public comment? Yes, members of the public who wish to speak on this item and are joining us in person should line up to speak now along the side of the room with the windows. For those listening remotely on the public call-in line, please press star 3 to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue to wait until the system indicates you've been unmuted, and that will be your cue to begin your comments. I'd like to note that public comment is limited to two minutes uh, per person today. Thank you very much. Can we have our first in-person public commenter? Right, thank you. My name is Tina Martin, and I'm a member of Transit Justice. Uh, I feel very privileged to be here today, and I just want to point out that not everyone has the privilege that I have. And I think we really do need to consider the people who can't be here. Uh, I know that you're making a, uh, accommodations for people with disabilities, but it's not just people with disabilities who need to speak remotely sometimes. You know, in fact, sometimes maybe it's a stereotype because sometimes people with disabilities do make it here, others can't. And some people who are caregivers or have paying jobs are also uh, able to come. I'm sorry to hear about the hate speech that is coming remotely, but it seems to me that, I, and I didn't know that you couldn't shut off people who were starting to say something hateful. But uh, I really think you need to reconsider this. I think it's a very big move to actually cut off remote access to commentary, to making comments, because of this hate speech. I don't think you should let that rule the decision. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Jordan. My pronouns are she, her, they, them. First, I want to say, fuck the Nazi shitheads who use the remote public comment to troll our meetings. They are losers, and the clerks were right to cut them off. But with that said, we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater and respond to oppressive language with oppressive policy. And thus, I cannot support Boomer Peskin's motion to re limit remote public comment. As a disability rights activist, I say the era of reasonable accommodation as a default is over. Fuck that shit, and we must do universal design when possible. Also, <clears throat> there are a lot of people who don't live near City Hall, who are poor, working class, people of color, and are busy with families or might be caretakers. Although I may disagree on a lot of issues with some people who live in outlying neighborhoods, I will still fight for their right to remote public comment. What's next? Are you going to have civility and decorum requirements? Are you going to tell me not to use F-bombs during meetings? Because you're going down that fucking path of uh, censorship. 
Let me tell you something. If you pass this amendment to the rules of order, I will come back meaner and nastier than ever. I know my rights when it comes to public comment, and I am the queen of malicious compliance. I live right near City Hall, and I can come here in person and haunt you anytime. To paraphrase a former member of the Board of Supervisors, you end remote public comment, it's on like Donkey Kong. I yield my time. Fuck you. Thank you. Is there anybody else in the room for public comment on this matter? Please approach the podium and line up. Hi, uh, I'm Mara Math. Uh, I, like Aaron, am horrified at the grotesqueries that have been inflicted on us in public comment. But I don't think that ending remote comment is the answer. I had come to suggest something like a 10-second delay, like they do on radio. Um, did not know it was going to be so expensive. Um, but I think we, we cannot let the Nazis defeat democracy. Nothing would make them happier. And if they can shut San Francisco down, they can shut anywhere down. I would suggest that we have at least two people monitoring and be really quick on the draw to just cut them off. Um, and I agree with the idea of ending anonymous comment. Uh, anonymity empowers the trolls, unfortunately. Uh, but it would be a huge disservice to many people, uh, as other speakers have pointed out, to end it altogether. Thank you. Thank you. Do we have anybody else in the room for public comment? Yes, I could not not come up here and speak on this as I've been a part of making this this system work in the background. And it's hard to come up because, you know, I'm an employee here. But so much money has been spent to get this up and running. There are other commissions that have just got gotten their hybrid systems installed last week. Just last week. And we're talking about, hey, you just spent over $100,000 or more, and that's going to go to waste. That's going to happen at at least two commissions in the city. We should be appalled. I can't get to work without stepping through meth, smoke, Every day, we should be appalled. Bringing my kid up the street to school, I can't get by the sidewalk. Meanwhile, my car gets towed. We should be appalled. So, it's very simple. We can cut people off, period. This is San Francisco, we spearhead. We don't follow what other cities do. Let's do us. They follow us. That's it. Thank you. Is there anybody else in the room for general, um for public comment on this item. Seeing no additional speakers in the room, I'd like to move on to our 
telephone speakers. Uh, for this matter, we have approximately 22 people in line for public comment. Can we have our first caller? Good morning, George Wooding, West Twin Peaks Central Council. Uh, have known Aaron Peskin for quite a long time. Usually agree with him, but not in this case. I think first off, you have no information to base your um, fallacy on. I don't hear of any report on bad public comment versus good public comment. Are you basing this on one person versus 50? What, what are your numbers? I see this is nonsensical. I am in a wheelchair. I have to rely on paratransit, which is awful because it is so unpredictable. Last week, you cut the Rules Committee to one minute. It would have taken me an hour and a half to get to the Rules Committee to testify, and then it would have taken me at least an hour and a half to get home. If I were to take public transit, like a cab, it would have cost me over $36 for my one minute and probably five hours while you text while I'm testifying. Given all of that, I think the city still owes the handicapped among us um, and the elderly and disabled a chance to participate in public meetings. Otherwise, we um, disappear, and you never get our input. Thank you. Thank you. Can we have our next caller, please? Yeah, good morning. It's Patrick Minnesota. I strongly oppose anti-Semitic comments in any setting, especially during public meetings. But this motion to end all public comment is an overreaction that goes too far. If the anti-Semitic comments were actually made by a person attending a board meeting in person, eliminating remote public comment will not fix the problem of speakers attending in person and making repugnant comments. Said another way, ending remote public comment in order to punish a speaker who spoke in person seems to be a punishment that doesn't fit the crime. Instead of more appropriate punishment, as the Sunshine Task Force suggested, is that greater care should be taken to immediately cut off the microphone of speakers attending in person who make anti-Semitic remarks. That's the quickest and most effective means of uh, abhorrent abuse of public comment. Now is not the time to follow neighboring counties, Supervisor Peskin. Now is the time to follow the lead. Um, of the state of Washington, 
where Governor Jay Inslee signed into law last year a bill allowing the remote public comment permanently. You need to follow what other jurisdictions like the state of Washington are doing. And the real punishment for people who violate board rules should be that they are barred for a year from making public comment. That's the solution, not ending remote public comment. And there's no Thank procedures you. outlined. Speaker time has elapsed. Uh, sorry for cutting you off, but I'd like to um, remind people that we are allocating two minutes per person for public comment uh, at this, for this matter. Can we have our next caller, please? My name is Art Persico. I live in San Francisco. I'm with the SF Gray Panthers. I really respect and thank Board President Peskin for his support of the idea of a few seconds of delay in remote public comment. But I think the cost of implementation should be investigated further. Please don't allow the misbehavior of the very few to curtail the respectful participation of the vast majority of San Franciscans for access to remote public comment, which can provide helpful feedback to the board. This is a problem that can be solved with the, without the drastic action of almost totally ending public comment with a few exceptions that will be allowed for which most of the public will not qualify. It can be solved in a more fair, equitable, and beneficial way that allows San Franciscans to participate in San Francisco civic life who have good reason not to come to City Hall but still desire to participate via remote public comment. It can be solved with, with a technical fix, uh, as President Peskin mentioned, the use of a seven-second delay which is commonly used in radio broadcasts. A seven second delay would give the board an opportunity to monitor and bleep out remote public comment calls for the purpose of screening out hate speech. A city employee who's trained to bleep out only hate speech could perform this public service for the benefit of all. So please don't allow the irresponsible actions of the few to end the participation access of the responsible many. Remote public comment is an improvement in public access and civic engagement that should not be curtailed if there are ways to preserve it, and there are, please use available and proven methods to preserve remote public comment for the good of the public and the good of San Francisco governments. Free speech and accountability via feedback from the public is the lifeblood of democracy. Let's maximize it, not curtail it. Thank you. Thank you. Can we have our next caller, please? Good morning, Supervisors, Catherine Howard. Um, with all due respect to Supervisor President Peskin, I do oppose limiting remote public comment. COVID-19 has forced the modernization of public participation in city government by allowing people to call in instead of having to come down to City Hall to spend three, two, or sometimes one minute to express an opinion before the board. Of course, insulting or derogatory language should not be allowed, but I've heard this language at in-person meetings. The speaker was cut off. No one at the time suggested that all public in-person comment should be eliminated because of a few obnoxious people. For people living far from City Hall, it takes over an hour on Muni each way. In addition, you gotta get there early so you don't miss your item. So to go down to City Hall, we're talking three to four hours. And that is for those who are able to make it to the meetings, which leaves out most people who have a job, seniors who may not be officially disabled, and people with small children or other obligations in the home. 
Um, I'm puzzled by the cost for a delay. You know, there is a delay. If I watch this on SFGovTV, I can hang up the phone now and listen to myself talk. So the delay is already there. It's free. Just find somebody who can punch that button. Maybe the chair can confirm it should be cut off. And you have other letters offering suggestions on how to deal with this in a positive manner. But please preserve the right of the broader public to participate in our government. Please do not support this amendment. Thank you. Thank you. Can we have our next caller, please? Good morning, Chair and Committee Members. Eliana Bender, Policy Manager for GLIDE. GLIDE is in opposition to this motion. Discontinuing remote public comment for everyone except for people with recognized disabilities would be an unacceptable obstacle to community participation in democracy. <clears throat> there are ways to address recent unacceptable incidents without discontinuing access to everyone. Remote public comment has made it possible for some community members to participate in meetings for the first time, and it should be allowed for all rather than only as a burden of reasonable accommodation. Government should desire and encourage more participation from constituents, not less, and be looking at ways to promote equity and inclusion and remove barriers to access. Working people, parents, and people with immunocompromised household members all have legitimate reasons to make it difficult for them to come to City Hall in the middle of a weekday, including work schedules, transportation challenges, child care responsibilities, and risk of exposure to COVID-19. GLIDE serves many of these populations, and it is already difficult for them to call in for public comment, but it is nearly impossible for some of them to come in person. GLIDE also works with survivors of domestic violence, and they deserve a safe, secure, and private way to engage in meetings. During a time when we need to increase connections and trust in government, ending remote public comment will only widen the divide between the community and its elected leaders. Eliminating this avenue to participate in our government would effectively shut down the voices of those who are unable to participate in person at City Hall. We respectfully request a no vote on this motion. Thank you. Thank you. Can we have our next caller, please? Hello, my name is Leah McGeever. I live in San Francisco. And San Francisco cannot claim to care about senior and disabled people and then take away their ability to give public comment that able-bodied people are able to provide. Instead of a knee-jerk reaction, you could remove the disruptive individuals from meetings, um, virtually, remotely, or in person, as long as the person is given a warning beforehand. Um, this is completely allowed. Uh, if you go through with removing remote public comment, you'll be punishing many constituents because of the hateful words of white supremacists. Note, the same white supremacists did infiltrate the March for Life earlier this year, and no one on this board even said anything, so what the fuck. Um, it feels like women and queer safety comes second when um, to them when the white supremacists come after you. So everyone else here has put much more thought and consideration into their public comment. And um, I just strongly urge you to listen to the senior disabled people, caregivers, parents, et cetera, who do not have the time or resources to come to City Hall for one minute. Thank you. Thank you. Can we have our next caller, please? Yes, hello, my name is uh, Aaron. I'm with Parents for Public, excuse me, Parents for Public 
public schools of San Francisco. Um, I'm the assistant director of policy and learning, and I am horrified by the thought of limiting remote public comment. I am a person living with multiple disabilities, so I appreciate you taking that into consideration. However, it is ableist uh, to, I don't know how you would decipher who's disabled and who is not. I, that is not what I lead with. I lead with who I am, why I'm attending this meeting is for my work. I don't want to have to, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm okay saying, claiming my disability, but I don't want other people who are not comfortable with that to have to claim that. And then everybody in the boardroom, everybody knows that's a disabled person, and then there lies, therein lies implicit bias, um, perhaps, of people taking the comments, public comments remotely seriously. Um, I, it, I do not want the, our legal right to freedom of speech to be um, tampered with. And um, I think that if you, if someone is starting to make a, a hateful comment, I do notice even in this meeting, um, someone in the room there is able to cut them off. At least if they want to keep talking, the person in the room could talk over them. So this, it, the hate speech is not um, easy to hear. Um, I, and at Parents for Public Schools in San Francisco, we are uh, we support families. We provide all the resources, help them find all the resources Speaker they can. Speaker time has elapsed. Thank you. I'd just like to remind everyone we are allocating two minutes per speaker today. Can we have our next caller? Hello, this is Jessica Lehman. I was really proud to work with you all in the spring when I was working at Senior and Disability Action. I'm no longer at SBA, but I care deeply about this issue. Remote public comment during the COVID pandemic turned out to be a wonderful thing for not only disabled people, but also seniors, working people, parents, and so many others. A reasonable accommodations procedure is not adequate for people with disabilities and certainly not for anyone else. You may recall at the hearings in the spring, there were dozens of callers there was one from a high school classroom who obviously couldn't get here in the middle of teaching. We heard from domestic violence survivors who said they are not safe coming in person. The hate speech is absolutely awful. A handful of people should not be able to take away the right of thousands of people in San Francisco to have their voices heard. That would be letting them win. And they could call and say that they're disabled once they learn that that is their only way in. Cutting this off, does not eliminate racism, anti-Semitism, and transphobia. San Francisco has always been proud to be more inclusive than other areas. And there are other actions you can take. You heard the talk about cutting people off sooner. We could bring people together, do some research on possibilities. This is a, a city full of smart people. Let's figure out some other solutions. At the very least, if you do end remote public comment, please add a sunset so that our communities don't get forgotten as is usually the case. In the spring, you all on the Board of Supervisors voted to keep remote public comment open to everyone by a vote of 10 to one because you know that it is so important. Please take into account what you are hearing from so many different speakers today. 
do not end remote public comment. Thank you. Thank you. Can we have our next caller, please? Yes, thank you. Uh, this is Peter Warfield. You usually hear from me as Library Users Association head. In this case, I think it's extremely important to uh, continue remote public comment opportunity for the public. It has extended and can continue to extend opportunities to make public comment for a whole range of people who uh, otherwise might be unable uh, or extremely inconvenienced in making public comment. Such people include, as others have said, those with differing, uh, th those with difficulty coming, for example, those who are working, those, I haven't heard mention of uh, students except once, but students themselves, uh, but a whole range of people uh, who might also have difficulty, as you've also heard. Uh, to punish, essentially, a whole class of folks, a whole method of access, just because on one apparently occasion, you've had a problem that you think needs to be fixed in this way, I think is very, very wrong. In the past, you've had a clerk who has done a very nice job of handling folks who have made unwanted public comment, including not hate speech, which I have never experienced to my recollection, but also when they're talking about an item that actually isn't on the agenda. And what Angela Calvillo has done very nicely is she'll say, I'm stopping your time, uh, and she could cut somebody off, and then she explains what the problem is and what the solution is. She gives the person another opportunity uh, to say something, uh, whether it's a general comment about an issue instead of a particular piece of legislation or whether it's uh, something else. Uh, wait, perhaps you might want to wait until another item and so on and so forth. Please don't cut off an opportunity for many people who otherwise couldn't come to make public comment. Thank you. Thank you. Can we have our next caller? Good morning. This is Anastasia Ovenopoulos, a member of San Francisco Tenants Union. I really appreciated listening to general public comment and hearing somebody swiftly being cut off when they were starting to use hate speech. I think that's really important. You can cut it off immediately and throw the person out. And that was done. That was the only one time that I heard it, but I really appreciated it because people should not be allowed to make offensive comments and hate speech on our general public comment line. However, I am pushing 77 years old, and it's hard for me to get downtown. You hear from me a lot at meetings, you know, uh, planning, land use, transportation, even, you know, civic matters at the Board of Supervisors, and I would be totally cut off. You would never hear from me again if you remove remote public comment, as would a lot of my associates. So you need to hear from us because we, we are important. We have valuable information to share with you, and you won't be hearing from us anymore. And it's really hard for me to take that. You'll be hearing from like a whole list of uh, yimbies coming in in person who can make it because they get paid to do that. I'm sorry. 
please do not uh, remove remote public comment. It'll be a really hardship for me and a lot of others. Thank you. Thank you. Can we have our next caller? Hi, I am Anaksul Rama with Senior Disability Action. I have disabling HIV. I don't tolerate my meds well. I have social anxiety and PTSD. I didn't want to have to tell you all that, but it isn't easy to participate in person for people with disabilities and mental illness. Remote participation should be allowed for all rather than only as a reasonable accommodation. Requiring people to identify as disabled and ask for an accommodation ahead of time adds a barrier that makes it less likely for people to participate. And non-disabled people also have valid reasons to participate remotely. People with full-time jobs cannot take off work to come in person, but we can all benefit from remote participation. We already have ways to limit comment, stop comment when it's not the item called, so we can apply that to people who use hate speech. The elected decision makers need to hear from people with disabilities, people with mental health challenges, and people with jobs. Keeping remote comments keeps the people's voices in the chambers. Please keep remote comment. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Can we have our next caller? Great, David Pilpel again. Um, so I'm speaking as an individual, but I refer you to the letter from the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force that's uh, in the packet. I agree that this proposal is an overreaction to some specific negative and uh, in completely inappropriate remarks. Um, however, I believe eliminating remote public comment would severely restrict participation to those who can uh, be there. Uh, and you've heard from other speakers about that. Other public agencies have effectively dealt with the small number of problematic uh, commenters. I think there are legal, practical, and technical ways to do that here, including more active moderation and muting and requiring a real name, email address, or phone number for remote public comment. This should not be an either or choice of how things are now or not at all. We should find a way to fix things and the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force would like to help solve the problem. I urge you to reject the motion here. Let's mend it and not end it. Item seven today would codify remote public comment for AAB meetings. I think that's a much better uh, model than what's proposed here. And finally, the efforts, intentions, and work of the Board of Supervisors Clerk's Office, SFGovTV, the city attorney and DT and others has been extraordinary and is uh, greatly appreciated by me and many other people. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you. Can we have our next caller? Hello, am I on? We can hear you. Please proceed. The uh... First Amendment for the United States Constitution reads, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press, or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances. I agree with all of the people who made these comments uh, on this uh, hearing. Uh, but you must also respect the right of privacy of all callers. Anonymous callers are permitted under the law. Uh, everything I hear about uh, identifying people is unacceptable. The government in general doesn't respect people's privacy, nor does private enterprise respect people's privacy. So this is
is another important aspect of what we're doing, dealing with here. I could not more oppose uh, Supervisor Peskin's proposal to limit or eliminate public comment. It is the worst thing I've ever heard come from the, the mouth of this otherwise very respectable supervisor. Uh, let's have a let's make sure we stop this matter before we waste any more time of the people's assembly. Thank you. Thank you. Can we have our next caller, please? My name is Shia French. I live in San Francisco and I work for Senior and Disability Action and I'm calling in to oppose the current measure um, and that we need to keep public remote public comment. Um, I think there are a lot of the really great things other callers have said. I think that one of the things that is at stake is that so many of the issues that are discussed um, at these meetings really affect people with disabilities, seniors, lower lower income people, working class people, parents and caregivers, and other people who can't make it to City Hall. But when we don't have people contribute, we get policies that don't work. We get housing that doesn't take into account the accessibility needs like chemical sensitivity or autism um, that aren't required by federal guidelines. We get decisions about education without parent or youth input. Um, and we just solve problems in ways that don't work for the people they're supposed to help. That, as some other folks have said, only allowing people who are, say they are disabled to give remote public comment is not good enough. But there are many disabled people. I've also been in this position in previous jobs. I didn't want to publicly identify myself as disabled, that there might be employment consequences for that. Um, and that there are many people who are immunocompromised, have concerns about COVID, or have long COVID, who aren't really identifying as disabled at this point, who still can't leave their house, can't make it to City Hall, and still deserve to have their voice be heard. I think the people who are calling in and saying racist and anti-Semitic comments, they want to limit democracy. They want to prove that democracy doesn't work. They want to harass people. And I think that eliminating remote public comment is giving them what they want. Um, I'm curious, I don't want anti-Semitic speech either, but I'm sure there are money, there's better options to deal with this issue and that I think there needs to be time spent on figuring out what better options we can Speaker come up with. time has elapsed. Uh, my apologies for cutting you off, but we are allocating two minutes per person today. Can we have our next caller? Hi, um, my name is Daniel Deibler. I live in District 1. Um, I'm opposed to this measure because I think it's exclusionary and it's, it's an overreaction to a few poor comments that were made in you know, a few different meetings. I was in a meeting where some anti-Semitic uh, phrasing was used um, and the clerk was able to cut that person off very, very quickly. Uh, I think that's a much better way to deal with it. I respect that you know Supervisor Peskin had a you know was kind of going into this looking at it and saying, hey, let's make sure that we preserve public comment. You mentioned making some changes to the Brown Act and some other things. That would be great. Don't cut off public comment and then make the changes. Make the changes and you know fix the process and find ways around it um, and keep the public comment going. I don't see any reason why you would want to do that. And I kind of I support. A lot of the other things that people have said, I'd like to see some data on this, like a report on how many of these types of comments have you had to you know, field in 
different meetings before a decision is really rendered. Um, I'd also like to explore that $10 million. I work in the tech space and I, or 100 million or I think it was 10 million. So I, I can't believe it takes $10 million to do insert a delay into audio. And if it does, maybe we should look at something besides WebEx um, or we should talk to Cisco and say, look, this is way too much money. Um, we need a way to put this into our system and have a discussion with them. You had a, an IT guy on earlier. I'm sure that he seems like he would probably be willing to do some exploration on that. Um, and that's pretty much about it. I just, I, I think it excludes too many people from the, the process. I would almost never be able to participate in public meetings, um, like for the redistricting task force. I participated in that, but it was because I was allowed to give remote public comment because I work. Um, and I think a lot of people who have children or are caregivers Thank you. who are elderly, they time can't. Has elapsed. Can we have our next caller, please? Good morning, supervisors. Herb Mince here. I live in the Parkside neighborhood. I'm opposed to limiting remote public comment. Not everyone can make it downtown in a timely manner in order to wait in the legislative chamber of the city hall to speak. I support remote public comment as it increases resident participation in city government matters. Now I understand Supervisor Peskin's concerns. No one wants to be on the receiving end of hateful or racist speech. That kind of behavior is totally unacceptable. However, resident access to the workings of local government takes priority, and that's why I do support remote public comment. As Supervisor Peskin mentioned, there is equipment available today to delay offensive called-in audio content. Public participation in the working of local government is worth the price of the equipment. I can't imagine it's worth 10 million, but to contain costs, my suggestion is to allow the staff of SFGov TV, your government access cable TV channel staff, to assist in the research, the purchasing, the installation, and the testing of the proper equipment to contain unwanted speech. SFGov TV can perform the same audio content monitoring and eliminate, it, and eliminate unwanted speech from disruptors as corporate broadcasters do now. Limiting public comment, remote public comment is a broad brush stroke that punishes the vast majority of the users of remote public comment. Please keep us in mind when you vote today. Thank you. Thank you. Can we have our next caller? Why, good morning. This is Joe Kunzler. I am extremely appalled that the only response to hate speech is to close disguise to everybody. What about in-person hate speech? What about that trans person who shows up and yells expletive you at some of your members? Like God's, like, well, Supervisor Stephanie, you know how I feel about her and her bravery. So I'm going to pay, what may be the last comment, I'm going to pay tribute to her. You're not going to tolerate those type of comments. So please, Mr. Clerk, if you hear something like that, cut them off immediately. And just to anybody else who's in the queue, those comments will not be tolerated in this committee. Thank you, Madam Chair. Well, well, that's the solution to all of this right there, my friends. 
and I ask that you please adopt that policy. Then I want you to adopt a policy that bans anonymous comments. That's not okay. And then you should say that anyone who violates the rules twice in a month, they're done for a year. You don't need to put up with abuse. Nobody here who's calling and supporting remote comment is supporting abuse. I want to conclude with this thought. You need to stand like a Stephanie against hate. I just played video how you can stand up against hate. And you know something? Ever since Supervisor Stephanie did that, these guys stopped their attacks. So you guys need to park this resolution in the same uh, file as appeasement. Thank you for your public service. I yield, like, like a Stephanie, I, I, the rest I submit. Thank you. Thank you. Can we have our next caller? Good morning, Supervisors. This is Deb Lerman. Am Please. I am I on? Hearing yes, you? you are. Please proceed. Thank you. This is Debbie Lerman from the San Francisco Human Services Network. We condemn the horrific comments made by a few during public comment. We understand the desire to eliminate that avenue for discriminatory speech. Free speech can be messy and ugly, but we remind the board why the community fought so hard to preserve the remote call-in option. Those with resources and privilege can participate in person, but that excludes working people, parents, seniors, caregivers, people without transportation, people at higher COVID risk with greatest impact on communities of color. Remote comment also may be the only safe choice for people fearful of attending, like undocumented immigrants, domestic violence survivors, and even those with unpopular positions. Remote public comment has enabled accessible democracy for those who have never been able to participate before, and eliminating it will shut down the voices of the very people attacked by the trolls. As Judge Louis Brandeis said, the remedy for bad speech is more speech. This is an issue of equity, inclusion, and civic engagement. And we respectfully urge you to seek a balanced approach and explore alternative legal and functional measures to mitigate these comments. And that is particularly true during general public comment on Tuesdays when speakers aren't constrained by the requirement that comments be germane to the agenda item. We ask you, please do not let the trolls win. Thank you. Thank you. Can we have our next caller, please? Um, yes, good morning. Tracy Rosenberg here. On behalf of Media Alliance and our thousands of constituents, many based in San Francisco, where our organization was founded in 1976, I ask you not to engage in collective punishment by banning remote public comment based on a few jerks taking advantage of the opportunity to spew hatred. Remote public comment has been a huge boon to civic participation all over California and, and the whole country. Instead of centering the perspectives of people who happen to be able to spend hours at City Hall in the middle of the day, remote public comment genuinely lets everyone weigh in, whether employed or retired, blessed with flexible work or not, free of childcare or elder care responsibilities, disabled or able-bodied. Just look at today's 
session. You had three public comments in person, and I believe it was 22 on the phone. That's seven times as, as many. As someone who, who represents an organization with members across all nine Bay Area counties and who was personally priced out of San Francisco quite a while ago, remote public comment has let me represent my San Francisco members much more frequently than I could otherwise do. Please don't let your anger at a few people who are seeking to disrupt motivate you to disempower San Franciscans and to make City Hall much less accessible. Thanks. Thank you. Can we have our, can we have our next caller, please? Good morning, Supervisors. This is Evie Posmond here calling from District 8. We cannot let the haters win. We cannot let the score be haters one, democracy zero. Please don't let the haters destroy or deeply damage our right to know and our right to be engaged in our democracy. At the very least, empowering the haters by shutting down public access is shameful. This trauma-driven trauma and impulsive response to those trying to endanger this is very, very unhelpful and dangerous. It is trauma-driven, and we need to recognize that. We must live up to these cowardly haters. We must pull the plug on the haters, not the rest of us. Surely we can do this. There is no choice. We can't back down. This regressive motion must not be moved forward to the full board. Thank you very much. Thank you. Can we have our next caller? Um, hi, um, my name is Erica Zweig, and I live in District 4 from um, the group D Forward, and we're also affiliated with REP. And um, I think all of the commenters have made all of the points already. Um, and I'd like to just stress the equity issue here um, in that how it was before COVID, um, working people, especially poor, work, you know, lower income working people can't leave the job to sit for any number of hours in City Hall. And there was already a move on to talk about, you know, rescheduling so many meetings so that people in the evening or on weekends so that people could have more participatory democracy, which I heard mentioned in, on another item. So I think this, I think that Board President Peskin needs to pull this. We recognize that you may not like all of the comments or stay late for the comments, but it's the job you took. So, um, and you were elected, you wanted to win. So um, be sure to just throw this one in the garbage today so we don't have to waste more time. Thank you. Thank you. Can we have our next caller? Hello, this is Michael Petrellis calling in. I want to strongly oppose Aaron Peskin's proposal. Um, you already have a um, 
time delay on SFGov TV. And I think that um, uh, uh, you have the capability right now of turning off uh, speakers who are making hate speech that um, should not be allowed um, during the meetings. I'd also like to point out that it took people dying during the COVID pandemic for the Board of Supervisors to finally give us remote public comment. That is a blot of shame on uh, this body, that it took people dying of COVID before you gave us remote public comment. Um, not everyone can take hours out of their day in the middle of the day to first of all get to City Hall and then wait around. I have long complained that at your Tuesday meetings, you don't have a set time for when you take public comment. We have to wait around sometimes three, four hours to get either 60 seconds or 120 seconds of public comment. It is not okay that um, a, a small group of haters have abused the remote public comment system um, for you to end it for everyone else. I am asking um, uh, reasonable people on the Board of Supervisors to reject what Aaron Peskin is proposing. There are other ways to handle um, speech um, uh, remotely that you do not like. Please do not end remote public comment. It is a definite asset to democracy. Thank you. Thank you. Can we have our next caller, please? Hello. Um, I feel, my name is Brandy Markman. I'm a public school parent. Um, I feel really sad about this proposal by President Peskin. It just feels very anti-parent. Um, people may not realize this, but if you're a San Francisco parent, it's almost impossible to get downtown um, to City Hall for three, for two to three hours to wait in line for public comment. This seems really unfair. It seems really unfair to our city college students. I stand with um, the staff person for parents of public schools and asking that this um, option of remote public comment be kept so that our parents and our city college students and all who aren't able to come in person, um, which is really a very small segment of the population, have the opportunity to be heard. Thank you. Thank you. Can we have our next caller? Hi, good morning. My name is Vanessa Marrero. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Please proceed. Okay, great. I'm the executive director of Parents of Public Schools of San Francisco, and we believe in access, that that is a fundamental right. Um, so I'm really hoping that you all are going to tell supervisor that this is not quite a great fix to um, make sure that we don't experience hate crime, which communities of color experience every day. Um, at Parents of Public Schools, we want to support communities. We want to make sure that um, people with disabilities, people who are elders, people that are not able, such as our parents who work, um, some, some of them 16 hours a day, can um, express their, their voices in the public comment as participatory democracy. Thank you for hearing from me. Have a great day. Thank you. 
Can we have our next caller, please? Supervisors, uh, this is Lorraine Petty, advocate for seniors and people with disabilities. Uh, if you ban remote public comment for all, you will have allowed the few haters to win. Just set some rules and announce them at the beginning of the meeting and fully enforce them. If a $10 million seven second delay could solve the problem, then the partial salary of one person could also solve it. With a warning after seven seconds and cut off after another seven seconds, that's a total of 14 seconds and we will be rid of them. Please continue general remote comment or I could not have really, I could not have said it better than George Wooding. Otherwise we will disappear. Thank you very much. Can we have our next caller, please? Hi, my name is Itza Romero. I'm the housing organizer at Senior Disability Action, and I deeply oppose this legislation and fully support remote public comment. We need to move democracy in San Francisco forward, not backwards. And the actions of few should not limit public comment for everyone. There are so many solutions to prohibiting hate speech, and so many people have listed them today. And this is not a solution that benefits San Franciscans, and especially people with disabilities, seniors, caregivers, students, and youth, parents, and people who are not in those categories. Please do not pass this legislation. Thank you. Thank you. Can we have our next caller, please? Good morning, my name is Ligia Montano. I'm with Senior and Disability Action. I'm calling because I wanna urge you as the city representative to commit to continuing a telephone and video option uh, for all public meetings, um, complete with um, uh, American Sign Language, captioning and interpretation. Public comment is the most democratic element we have in this corporate system. We don't have the large amount of money that lobbies do. We only have our voices, so please allow us to continue to participate. Many disabled and immunocompromised people and their family members and caregivers cannot risk coming in person and getting COVID. For many of us, transportation and other barriers prevent in-person attendance. Many low-income people and black indigenous people of color live um, far from city hall, making it hard to come in person to have their voices heard. So please, I urge you to um, make the right decision and continue with advancing. You know, we have technology for a reason. So please use the technology wise and allow public comment. Don't allow the haters to govern what our democracy is. Thank you. Thank you. Can we get our next caller, please? Supervisors, my name is Francisco da Costa. If you all have reached the stage that you want to challenge the citizens of San Francisco, go ahead and do it. 
all of y'all, all of y'all have something that I can say about. One person dared to tell the fire chief how to do the work when there was a fire in the, in the in North Beach. Another supervisor tried to steal some property. Yet another supervisor called the sheriff uh, a candidate, the N-word. Get your act together. I challenge you to stop public comment, remote public comment. You guys will never get it. You guys will never get it. And those of you who roam around, go here, there, and everywhere while the public comment is given, showing disdain for public comment. Public comment is sacrosanct. It's our right as citizens. Y'all are not citizens. You may think y'all represent, but y'all are not citizens. Thank you very much. Thank you. Can we get our next uh, caller, please? Hi, my name is Curtis Wu, and I oppose removing uh, public comment. Um, I just want to say remote public comment is something SF should be proud of and should be fighting to make better, um, not remove. I get that there have been you know, real issues with hate speech, and of course we need to address that, but the answer is not to entirely remove remote public comment. Um, you know, in my opinion, we already have ways to address this, which is what the clerk has done so well, which is to immediately cut them off. I don't see how this is, you know, any more complicated than that. And overreacting kind of plays into the hands of punishing the majority of people who are just exercising their civic duty. Um, you know, I just want to remind people, public comment used to be, you know, three minutes, and now it's two minutes, and oftentimes now it's one minute. So, you know, ever since COVID, we're living in a new time where I feel remote options are now part of the normal as it should be. Um, because it is more inclusionary and it brings more access to people who otherwise couldn't have it. Um, and I just want to say, I echo and I, the point about seeing some data behind this. I would love to see a report on actually how many comments were made, even like the average total time public comment remote takes, because I, <laughs> I think if you look at it, my guess is the data is pretty much on average with how it's always been. And um, without that data, it just looks like you guys are just annoyed about doing with remote public comment. So um, just want to echo that. And um, yeah, please keep remote public comment. Thank you. Thank you. We do not have anybody else in line for public comment. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Public comment on this item is now closed. Um, Vice Chair Walton. Thank you so much. Chair Dorsey, and I, I do want to thank uh, President Peskin for proposing this change. And I, I just want to be clear that this change will not negatively affect anyone with a disability or anyone with mobility issues. We will still 100% make accommodations for that population. And so I want to eliminate any narrative that we are completely eliminating public comment, particularly for those with disabilities and mobility issues. Thank you, Chair Dorsey. Thank you, Vice Chair Walton. Supervisor Safai. Uh, thank you, Chair. Thank you, uh, Supervisor Walton, for saying that. I, I think that's really, really important to emphasize the disability and senior community will still have access. 
um, in a way that they haven't had before. And I think that's one of the best outgrowths of this process. The other thing I want to remind folks is that we definitely, you know, that email and letters are, are still a strong and available option. We spend a lot of time reading correspondence that we receive from individuals. So anyone that's not able to make it here in person uh, would still have that available to them. The clerk does a tremendous job of not just ones that are sent to us directly, but ones that are sent to the clerk conveying that to us. And it's an important part of the public record. Um, so no one's voice will be muted uh, in that way. And I think that's an important point to underscore. Um, but as uh, has been noted, the rise in, in hatred and hate speech is something that's been abused. And it's something that, that we need to put a, an end to here at the Board of Supervisors. Great. Thank you, Supervisor Safai. Um, and I spoke earlier on this. Um, I, you know, came down where I think Aaron Peskin came down on um, wanting to be more inclusive. But I think this is a necessary step, and I think we will still have the options after um, this goes forward of making amendments to it um, that will preserve inclusion. But I appreciate everyone's participation um, on this committee. I'd like to make a motion to send item number four to the full board with a positive recommendation as a committee report. Mr. Clerk, we have a roll call on that motion. Yes, on the recommendation to you recommend as a committee report. Vice Chair Walton. Aye. Walton, aye. Supervisor Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Chair Dorsey. Aye. Dorsey, aye. The motion passes without objection. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. On a unanimous vote then, item number four, amending the rules of order, limiting remote public comment opportunities is sent to the full board as a committee report. Mr. Clerk, Mr. Clerk, could we please call item number five? Item number five is ordinance amending the administrative code to establish the library laureate programs and authorizing the library to grant stipends to individuals selected through a competitive process at laureates or finalists in recognition of their achievements, leadership, and cultural contribution and in exchange for their services to the city. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Uh, this item is sponsored by the mayor in collaboration with the San Francisco Public Library. We are joined by Library CEO Mike Fernandez and Chief of Community Programs and Partnerships, Michelle Jeffers. Uh, welcome to the Rules Committee. Uh, Ms. Jeffers, the floor is yours. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us today. Um, I will be brief. I was prepared to talk to you about our literary community, but I will, I will shorten some of those remarks. Certainly most people are familiar with our laureates program through the Poet Laureate. We have had an official Poet Laureate of the City of San Francisco since 1998, when Lawrence Ferlinghetti was named. Before that, of course, San Francisco was well known for its poets for hundreds of years. I'm talking Ina Coolbrith or Bret Hart or George Sterling, who coined the term the cool gray city of love. Um, but in, in recent memory, again, we started with Lawrence Ferlinghetti. We've had eight poet laureates since that time. They were Janice Maricatani, Devorah Major, Jack Hirschman, Diane DePrima, Alejandro Murguia, Kim Shuck, and of course, our current poet laureate, who is a, really a city treasure and a city native, Tongo Martin. Uh, unfortunately, over the last few years, you may know that we have lost four of our city's poet laureates, and, and that's been a tragedy, but we are prepared and hoping to be able to select our ninth poet laureate sometime very soon. Um, the 
process to select a poet laureate and any of our laureates that we've done is a public nomination process. Of course, we solicit the public to nominate anyone who is a native San Franciscan who is a poet with a published body of work to, to be submitted. The, a poet can nominate themselves, but usually it's a community nomination, and we work with many of our local literary communities to solicit those nominations. Um, they also have to have a vision of what they will do with the role of poet laureate. And, Many of our poets, our past poets laureate, have done wonderful things with our school children, teach, bringing poetry into the schools, encouraging community participation, and encouraging senior participation in creating poetry and just making us a more literate community. Um, we have a, a map of local poetry now. We've had a poem of the day that ran through the entire COVID pandemic, thanks to our poet laureates. Over the years, we've also, because of our success with the poet laureate, we ended up advising as the library and helping with the selection of the Drag Poet Laureate. So we got to help use the same process we use for the Poet Laureate in a similar way to select our first Drag Laureate, which of course was Darcy Drollinger, who was appointed by the mayor earlier this year. Um, I should have mentioned that in addition to the, the requirements of what they do as Poet Laureate, it is a nomination process that then goes to the mayor and the mayor makes the ultimate selection of our Poet Laureate. Um, we believe that it's been truly valuable for the community. There is talk now from some of our partners at the library like Youth Speaks and 826 Valencia to do something for youth as well, to create um, perhaps not one single Youth Poet Laureate, but a series of Youth Poet Laureates that would all take a role in that. And I hope that our community wants to do that. I do think we can't rest on our laurels with the Poet Laureate or rest on our laureates that we need to continue this program going forward. And I'll let Mike take over. All right. Thank you very much, Michelle. Um, good morning, committee. So um, the reason why we're here is really the way that the changes to 21G has impacted kind of the laureate process in the program. And so while these changes were sage um, and work well in most cases, there are, in this case, it kind of creates a difficult bur uh, hurdle for us to clear. Um, as Michelle described, in many ways, our laureate selection process and program does mimic the grant program we have noticing. It is a competitive process and all of those things. However, within the definitions of 21G, especially 21G2 definitions, um, the stipend that we, would, that we offer the laureates is, has a really strong aspect of callback to the body of work they've already, um, they've already, and the accomplishments they've already achieved, as well as the tangential work they may also produce, as opposed to kind of furthering a public purpose the way that 21G currently contemplates. Also, the laureate may not be a registered business, which is currently a requirement in 21G as well. Um, as far as the grant terms, as far as performance requirements, as a cultural ambassador, it's a little bit tricky and sticky to do, um, as well as, uh, you know, re really 21G contemplates reimbursements for as they perform work, as opposed to kind of the way that our stipend is set up to really empower them to be these great ambassadors and further their, their work that they're already doing. Um, and so for that, really, we're at, we've proposed this legislation to really, we're trying to square, like fit a square peg into a round hole. And we're just trying to fix that through this legislation, codify what we're already doing. And we really appreciate your consideration and hopefully you recommend and we're here for questions. Great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate both of you for the uh, presentation. And I will say that um, I really appreciate the work that you did on the uh, Drag Laureate program, you know, not, it, not just as a member of the LGBTQ plus community, but as a District 6 supervisor. It means a lot that we have a local business in Oasis and a business owner 
and Darcy Drollinger to be uh, our inaugural drag laureate. So I really appreciate all the work uh, that the library does on this and many and other things to, to come. Um, seeing no one on the roster, I think we can open this up to public comment and thanks so much for your uh, presentation. Yes, members of the public who wish to speak on this item and are joining us in person should line up to speak at this time. For those listening remotely on the public call-in line, please press star three to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue the way until the system indicates you've been unmuted and that will be your cue to begin your comment. I do not see anybody in the room for public comment on this matter and we have one caller on the line for public comment. Can we have that caller please? Yes, hi, this is Peter Warfield, Executive Director of Library Users Association, Library Users 2004 at yahoo.com. Uh, I'd like to say that first of all, I haven't had any difficulty at all with the laureates program as it's gone forward. I think it's actually been run uh, well. But uh, I'm very troubled by a number of issues here. And first off is that this legislation has not been apparently proposed by nor discussed in any way whatsoever with the Library Commission, which is supposed to be setting policy. And here we are going presumably to this Board of Supervisors, we meaning the library, not library users, um, to pass legislation that has some considerable aspects that also, as far as I can tell, are quite unclear. The first question is, is there any amount or limit to the stipends? And second of all, what exactly is the process for selection? Uh, we heard that it's a public process. Well, the nominations are public, but I don't believe that the decision-making or the decisions are public until they're announced. Uh, that's a question as, uh, that is, it should be considered. The library's primary purpose is to provide, as they say in their slogan, free and equal access for our diverse community. And I don't believe that the library's job should now increase to be a major job of selecting and paying without apparent limit those that are approved for these positions. I think there needs to be a lot more clarity about the financing, the choosing, and ultimately the mayor chooses. Is this a way for the mayor to give favor to those with whom the mayor agrees? Big question. Thank you very much. Thank you. There are no additional callers on this matter. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. And public comment on this item is now closed. Uh, Mr. Clerk, I'd like to make a motion to send item number four to the full board with a positive recommendation as a committee report. Uh, the, this is not um, on the list of committee reports. Oh. We only had one item listed as oh, a committee report. Oh, my apologies. Report. Sorry. Yes, uh, yeah. on the motion to recommend this matter. On that motion, Vice Chair Walton. Aye. Walton, aye. Supervisor Safai. Safai, aye. Chair Dorsey. Aye. Dorsey, aye. The motion passes without objection. Great, thank you, Mr. Clerk. On a unanimous vote then, item number five, Administrative Code, Library Laureate Programs is sent to the full board with a positive recommendation. Congratulations. Mr. Clerk, would you please call item number six? Yes, item number six is the ordinance amending the administrative code to remove the authorization for cash revolving funds for certain city departments and reduce the maximum amount of cash revolving funds for the Port of San Francisco. Great. 
Uh, thank you, Mr. Clerk. Uh, this item has been brought to us by the Office of Treasurer Tax Collector Jose Cisneros, and here to present is uh, Eric Mankey. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Hey, you did. Okay. Yes. And uh, the Policy and Communications Manager for the Treasurer and Tax Collector's Office. Mr. Mankey, welcome to the Rules Committee. The floor is yours. Thank you. Uh, good morning, Supervisors. Eric Mankey with the Office of the Treasurer and Tax Collector. I'm also joined here by Eliza um, Lucero, who's our banking manager. Uh, today I'm presenting an ordinance that allows our office to close or reduce cash revolving accounts. Uh, the administrative code authorizes cash revolving funds for city departments to keep cash on site um, and sets a maximum amount for each department's fund. Um, as part of the city's transition to a new banking partner, um, our office worked with and reached out to all departments to review their needs and standardize processes across the city. Um, and through this work, we identified several accounts that have been inactive or um, severely reduced in activity for the last 24 months um, that we think should be reduced or closed. Um, since these accounts are authorized by the administrative code, we're seeking board um, authorization to close or reduce them. Um, if any of these departments do have emergency needs, they do have access to a city-issued credit card, which is monitored by the controller's office. Uh, thank you for your consideration. I'm happy to take any questions. Um, thank you, Mr. Mankey. I have, uh, I think this is pretty straightforward. Yeah. I really appreciate your presentation. Yes, um, I don't see anybody on the roster for questions or comments. So, uh, Mr. Clerk, why don't we open this up to public comment and uh, thanks so much for your thank presentation. You. Yes, members of the public who wish to speak on this matter and are joining us in person should line up to speak at this time. For those listening remotely on the public call online, please press star three to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue the way until the system indicates you've been unmuted, and that'll be your cue to begin your comment. There's nobody in the room for public comment at this time, and uh, there's nobody on the telephone line for public comment at this time. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Public comment on item number six is now closed, and I would like to make a motion to send this item to the full board with a positive recommendation. Mr. Clerk, can we have a roll call on that motion? Yes, on the motion to recommend, Vice Chair Walton. Walton absent. Supervisor Safai. Safai aye. Chair Dorsey. Aye. Dorsey aye. The motion passes without objection with Vice Chair Walton being absent. Thank you, Mr. Young. On a uh, without objection then, item number six, administrative code, cash revolving funds is sent to the full board with a positive recommendation. Mr. Clerk, would you please call item number seven? Yes, item number seven is ordinance amending the administrative code to authorize the assessment appeals board to hold remote hearings and conferences at which the at which no AAB member are physically present and hybrid remote hearings and conferences at which some but not all AAB members are physically present. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Uh, this item has been brought to us by the assessment appeals board and here to present is Alistair Gibson, administrator for the assessment appeal boards. Mr. Gibson, uh, thanks so much for coming today. Welcome to the rules committee. The floor is yours. Thank you very much, uh, Chair Roycey, um, and thank you very much, Supervisor Safai. <clears throat> Again, my name is Alistair Gibson, administrator for the assessment appeals board. Uh, I appear before you to request that the, the rules committee and the board of supervisors support the, uh, for AB to continue with remote hearings and uh, hybrid remote hearings. Uh, the Assessment Appeals Board is regulated by the uh, Board, of Super excuse me, board of Equalization, uh, State Board of Equalization, and uh, we would like to localize, I would request that we localize the same rules that are already with the Board of Equalizations. Um, during COVID and beginning in December of 2020, 
and until present, we have successfully scheduled and held approximately 600 remote hearings. Um, the Assessment Appeals Board members appear through video conference and they participate in the hearing as they were physically present. The procedures of the hearings remain the same as if they were conducted in person. Currently, majority of our hearings are proceeding virtually, uh, but taxpayers and or their agents have the opportunity to request in-person hearings. The, in fiscal year 22-23, we commenced with nominal in-person hearings and scheduled approximately 30 hearings during that fiscal year. Um, 14 in-person hearings for this fiscal year thus far. Uh, since December of 2020, AB has scheduled over 10,300 applications and finalized nearly 5,940 applications, appeals with members issuing about 1,270 decisions. Uh, remote hearings have been effective and efficient for the Assessment Appeals Board, and we respectfully ask you for your consideration and support of this amendment. Thank you, and I welcome any questions. Great. Thank you, Mr. Gibson. I've read this. I have no questions. Uh, seeing no other questions, I appreciate your presentation and what we will, uh, I think, open this up to, for public comment. Thanks Thank you very much. Yes, members of the public who wish to speak on this item and are joining us in person should allow them to speak at this time. For those listening remotely on the public call-in line, please press star 3 to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue the way until the system indicates you've been unmuted, and that will be your queue to begin your comment. There are being no members of the public in the room for public comment at this time, we have one caller on the line. Can we have that caller, please? Thank you, Clerk. Joe Kunzler here. Um, I'm just going to say this very delicately this morning. I find this to be wild theater of the absurd that uh, we're about to end, you know, universal remote public comment, remote, universal remote public comment, and yet the Assessment Appeals Board is going to keep remote comment. Um, I don't know why the Board of Supervisors can't just do what the Assessment Appeals Board's doing. Uh, I don't know how, how that works. Uh, that to me is just totally wild. Um, I can assure you if you cancel unlimited public comment, you know, there are some people like me who feel like that disability only public comment should be for those who truly are disabled or 100% disabled and need that emergency access. And super fans of a certain supervisor who shall go unnameless uh, certainly should not be using that system to protect the, the truly disabled, to be noble. Uh, I just want to absolutely ask that you be consistent in closing and uh, moral and upstanding and stand like a Stephanie for what's right. Thank you for your public service as always. Thank you. Just double checking, there are no additional callers on the line. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Public comment on item number seven is now closed. And I'd like to make a motion to send this item to the full board with a positive recommendation. Mr. Clerk, can we have a roll call on that motion? Uh, yes, on that motion, Vice Chair Walton. Walton absent. Supervisor Safai. Safai, aye. Chair Dorsey. Aye. Dorsey, aye. The motion passes without objection with Vice Chair Walton being absent. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Without objection, then item number seven, administrative code, assessment appeals board remote and hybrid remote public hearings and conferences moves to the full board with a positive recommendation. Mr. Clerk, do we have any further business? That completes our agenda for today. Right, thank you all. We are adjourned.